Welcome to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hemmerker. In each episode, she'll talk with your favorite romantic suspense authors. They will take you behind the scenes of the writing process, giving excerpts from their writing, and share stories about their writing life. The Marines' Deadly Reunion by Loretta Edison To keep a child safe, they must outrun a killer. When Sergeant Daria Gordon saves U.S. Marine Jake Fisher and his baby niece from an attacker, she instantly puts a target on her own back. Someone murdered Jake's sister, and now they want Jake and Daria dead. To survive, Jake and Daria must discover this ruthless killer's identity. But can they uncover the truth and keep the baby safe before the killer finds them? On this episode of The Romantic Side of Suspense, I'm talking with award-winning author Loretta Edson, who loves writing romantic suspense. And she, we're going to talk about her, one of her books and also just the writing process and you get a little behind-the-scenes glimpse. So welcome to my show, Loretta. Thank you so much for having me. Now, <clears throat> Loretta, your bio says you have four grown children, 13 grandchildren, and four great-grandchildren. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that you came to writing a little later in life. I definitely did. I think I was in my 50s when I actually started, and it took me about 10 years to break into the publishing market. So it just took a lot of persistence on my part. <laughs> yeah, and, and what I love about that um, is, you know, sometimes we talk about, you know, people have second careers and second times, and sometimes, especially those of us who are moms and raising kids, um, sometimes the stories are in our brains, and it just takes a while before we have that time that we can sit down and actually write them. So I love, I love hearing about stories where, you know, women are like, oh, and men, maybe some men too. I'm not going to discount the men, <laughs> but you know, came to writing a little later. I, I think that's just that's just so wonderful to you know, to hear about. So what, what was your greatest challenge in that time when you were waiting to be published? The greatest challenge, I think, for me was uh, the weight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, you do all the hard work and you put together, you write a story, you write a novel, and you do the synopsis. And <clears throat> I don't know about everyone else. I know some people will write a... Um, maybe a five to seven page synopsis. I tend to write more 10 to 12 page synopsis, so it takes me a little while and then you send it off to the editors and you hold your breath <laughs> and then right. you get rejection. So during all that time, you know, it was rejection after rejection after rejection, but I learned from all of them and um, you know, you just have to keep on trucking and don't let it get you down and realize it's not really personal, <laughs> which is hard to yeah. do. Right, right, because writing is so personal. That's true. Yeah, and so I know it's always hard to to not take those rejections um, personal because you're like, look, you know, even if even though our we write romantic suspense, there's still pieces of ourselves in that story, exactly. and, and all the stories we write, right? You know, so it can be, I think, challenging to to not take those rejections. Um, right. Personally, so so why so how did you keep writing then? 
what what gave you that you know inner i i really felt that um i'm not going to say god told me to write but i just felt that <clears throat> inner calling to write mm-hmm. and i knew that i had to learn how to do it you know if i was going to do this I was going to have to do it properly. And so years ago, I actually enrolled in Jerry Jenkins' Christian Writers Guild, his four-year writing class. Okay. So, uh, so I studied for four years. And then still after that, it still took me quite a while to get published. But I grew with every uh, every time I tried submitting and even entering contests. Entering contests gave me mm-hmm. great feedback. So um, it just – it was just – the continual persistence and then realizing, okay, I feel like I need to do this uh, to write inspirational romantic suspense, to um, be a witness to other people without um, feeling pushy. Right, right. I, I, and I think that, you know, as romantic, as Christian romantic suspense writers, we do, we have to juggle those three threads. You know, our characters right. have faith or they're, they're on some sort of faith journey. There's right. that danger, you know. Someone is trying to kill them or harm them, or they really have to figure this out, or someone else is going to get hurt. And then they have the the falling in love part of it too, um, which yeah, it can be very challenging to juggle all three. But I also think it makes it really exciting. <laughs> it's one of the reasons <laughs> I love I love writing the romantic suspense. I yeah. You know, sometimes I, I like to read romances as well, and sometimes I'm like, I'll think, oh, well, someone's trying to, no, nobody's trying to get them. This is just, <laughs> this is just a straight romance. It's okay. Um, so how, for you, for the plots, um, how do you come up with the story ideas? Do you have like a cue in your brain? Do you, you know, where's your inspiration for your plots? Um, inspirations. Sometimes, <laughs> well, I'll, I watch a lot of crime shows, murder mysteries on TV, mm-hmm. so sometimes I will get an idea from there. Sometimes I will get an idea from reading the newspaper and reading between the lines of the newspaper and just imagining what could have happened. Sometimes just brainstorming with my writer friends um, to grab ideas from them. So it, it comes from various places for me to act upon them and I found it intriguing uh, it's amazing how your brain can settle in on one particular topic yes yeah that's definitely um definitely interesting to kind of think and I'm with you sometimes I'll hear a story on the news or in a magazine or whatever and on the um, internet <laughs> that black right. hole of the internet. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, oh, well, what if this happened? <laughs> which is, um, you know, which is just fun. It's just fun for right. for our writers and our brains just go in millions of different directions. And I always think it's interesting that we could all, we could all start with the same, like, one sentence, you know, idea, and we could all write totally different stories exactly. from it. Yes. Yeah, so um, let's talk about um, why romantic suspense. I mean, you told me that you love writing it. You talked a little bit about, you know, you like putting that faith element in there. But why for you, what drew you to the romantic suspense genre? I've always enjoyed 
reading suspense, even <clears throat> back in back in school, in high school, when they would let, well, back in, I guess, middle school, when they would, we had a school library and they would let us go and read. I always pulled out Phyllis Whitney's books and I would read mm. them. They're mysteries. So I've always had a, a real love for suspense. I just like the action and the, the tension, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, so for me, when I started to write, I thought, okay, so I love suspense. So let me do suspense. But uh, of course, obviously, I'm doing romantic suspense. So adding a touch of romance to me tends to make it a little more intriguing. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so do you find it um, difficult to, or just maybe not difficult is not the right word. Um, I mean, how do you find weaving in the mystery part of it? I mean, do you like to keep the the reason or the villain, you know, revealed at the end? Or do you kind of, the reader, does the reader kind of know what's happening all through it and the hero and heroine just have to figure it out? How do you handle that part? Is it more of a aha moment for the reader and the hero or heroine or or what? Well, since my books are, are love-inspired, they mm-hmm. have certain guidelines that you have to write okay. by. And if the reader knows those guidelines and they read the first chapter, the villain is mentioned in the first chapter. So I keep my villain, I try to keep my villain a secret till closer to the end of the book. Right. Um, so I don't I don't like to of course I like writing the full length novels and with that you can definitely draw that out all the way through. But yes. uh, with Love Inspired, um the first chapter reveals a lot. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, that's that's true. Um and so do you think that you will continue writing for Love Inspired? You mentioned writing longer books. Are you um what which kind of I, your writing? Well, I'm writing for Love Inspired, and I really do enjoy writing for Love Inspired. Um, I have also submitted, I have a trilogy that I wrote uh, several years back, and I have re-edited and revised all three of them. So, um, And I submitted them to the Love Inspired trade. So those are the full-length novels. Okay. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I'm open to whichever, but right now I'm enjoying writing for Love Inspired. Yeah, it is fun to write. And for for my listeners who don't know, Love Inspired are a little bit shorter um, books, and they tend Correct. to only have two, the hero and heroine point of view. And um, so they're a little more fast-paced. And, um, but when you have longer, what you refer to as trade length, those are usually longer, and you can have more than uh, two points of view. And like you said, you can slow the story down a little bit. But, of course, when you're writing suspense, you, the action really never slows down. But... <laughs> Correct. <laughs> but, but you can play play around with it um, a little bit more. Um, so let's talk about how you fit writing into your life. Um, you're you're a busy woman. You have four grown kids, lots of grands and great grands. You don't seem old enough for all that. Thank <laughs> <Right up>. uh, <laughs> you. So how do you how do you juggle your writing with you know your family and all the all the other things that have your attention? Well, I definitely have to keep a calendar. Um, I have schedules. Uh, Since I retired from working at my church, my kids tell me, Mom, you're busier now than you've ever been, which is true. (laughs) So I juggle 
my time between family events and church events and friendships. Um, I, I value my friendships and I value, obviously, my family. So I have to juggle that time. Now, my favorite time to write is actually in the mornings when things mm. are still really quiet and the yeah. world hasn't really uh, gotten out of bed yet. But um, I can write in the afternoons. And ideally, if I have if I have it lined up, I like to get up early in the mornings, have my coffee, and write all day long. That is my <laughs> most favorite time. I can sit at my chair all day. <laughs> oh, I'm jealous. Yeah, I can't. <coughs> yeah, we don't need to talk about my poor, poor ride. Yes, I am, I am working on it, working on it very hard. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, life, life, we have different seasons, I think, in our lives. And sometimes our season is a little easier to fit writing in, and sometimes it becomes a little more challenging. So, um Exactly. Like when I was caregiving my husband before he passed away last January, I was uh, caregiving 24-7. So I was having to write in between breaks, you know, taking care Mm -hmm. of him. So, you know, I think we can, it's, my my son-in-law asked me, he says, how can you write with everything going on? And I said, you don't understand. Writing for me is like taking a trip. It's getting away. It takes my mind off of everything around me. So I, t- I enjoy writing. Yes, yes. No, I know. I think that for those of us who have more than one book in us, I mean, some people, they just have a burning passion for one particular project, and once that's done, they're like, okay, that's, that's it. And that's fine. That's, that, those, that's their writing journey, and that's perfectly fine. But a lot of us have more than one book. <laughs> I don't know how many books I have in me, Loretta, or in you, but it's that it is. We do feel rejuvenated when we write. And, um, you know, so we do, even in times when we might not be writing as much, we're still thinking about it and praying about it and trying to get those words on the paper. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we are almost out of time. Is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners about you, your writing, your future projects? Um, my writing, let's see. Well, I would like everyone to know that I personally like the high-speed, action-packed, suspenseful novels that tug on the heartstrings. <laughs> ah. I love the suspense, and um, I love adding just a touch of romance, you know, with that little tension to make it a little better. So that's that's why and how I write romantic suspense, and I just love it. Ah, that, that's a great way to end our show. So thank you again for, for coming on and sharing more about your writing, Loretta. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it. And listeners, stay tuned for an excerpt for one of her recent romantic suspenses, uh, The Marines' Deadly Reunion. Now an excerpt from The Marines' Deadly Reunion by Loretta Edison. Sergeant Daria Gordon cruised her hometown of Kimbleton, Missouri, one last time before she headed back to the police station to clock out. With temperatures dropping into the teens and the threat of a wintry mix, she could hardly wait to curl up by the fireplace in her new festive red pajamas. Just the thought of watching a Christmas movie and eating hot buttered popcorn made her mouth water. The afternoon tourist traffic bottlenecked at the fork in the road in front of the Marketplace Grocery, 
which was nothing unusual for the Christmas season. A disturbance in the store's parking lot caught her attention. Two men scuffled between parked cars. Checking a fight between two male suspects in the marketplace parking lot, Daria reported on the radio clipped to her uniform. She flipped on her flashing lights and siren, made a quick turn, and pulled in behind a white SUV. Parking lots were private property, but she'd cruise by anyway to make sure no one got hurt. A bearded man bolted and hopped into the passenger side of a waiting black suburban. Tires squealed on the asphalt as they sped away. His opponent held a pistol, turned, and stuck his head into the back seat of the white SUV. The one with the weapon was Daria's top priority. She must secure the threat. She opened the door with her weapon drawn and eased from her squad car. Police! Put your gun on the ground and place your hands on your head where I can see them! She readied herself for an abrupt reaction. The suspect placed his pistol on the pavement and pushed it toward her with his foot. He lifted his hands in the air and stepped away from the SUV's back door, sporting a busted lip. The sleeves of his camouflaged T-shirt bulged over his muscular biceps. She maintained a watchful eye and studied him. He looked familiar. That squared chin and those deep brown eyes reminded her of someone she used to know. I'm not the one you want. His warm breath fogged in the freezing temperatures. He glanced inside the vehicle and back at her. You should have gone after those guys. I'll make that determination. You're the one I saw with a gun. Don't make any sudden movements. She adjusted her stance. Back up. She eased forward and secured his weapon. That guy tried to take my baby. I had to protect her. He let out a huff. I'm Jake Fisher. Want my ID? Yes, take it slow. Why would someone want to take your baby? A slight lean to glance inside the vehicle confirmed a baby was inside. A little girl about 18 months old stared at her with tear-streaked cheeks and a red nose that proved she'd been crying. The icy December wind didn't help matters. Hello, little one, Daria smiled. Poor baby, she must be freezing. The child's eyebrows lowered. No! Her lips pooched out. She clutched a small rubber bunny in one hand and slapped the air toward Daria. Most children didn't like strangers getting too close, and her apprehension of Daria was a natural response. It was probably someone who works for whoever forced my sister's car off the road and killed her and my brother-in-law. You should go after them right now. Daria reported the parking lot incident on the radio clipped to her shoulder. She gave a description of the black suburban that had sped away. No license plate. Maybe the store's security camera captured the incident. She holstered her weapon as Jake handed over his driver's license, showing an out-of-town address. What's the nature of your visit to the Ozarks? Kimbleton, Missouri is a long way from California. Jake Fisher? Could he be her scrawny best friend from middle school? If so, he'd grown some muscles. How many times had they talked about what they wanted to be when they grew up? He'd dreamed of becoming a professional football quarterback, 
and she'd thought about nursing. From the looks of his military attire, he'd changed his mind, as had she. I just returned from active duty after receiving word of my sister's death. She left me everything she owned. He pointed to the SUV. She lived in the Ozark Mountains Valley along the county line. Who was your sister? Daria's curiosity stirred. Would he give the name she remembered? Amanda. Our family used to live here, but Dad moved us when he received a job transfer to California. He shuffled his feet and looked around before returning his attention to her. It was him. The first guy she'd ever had a crush on. He'd matured well and was more handsome than ever. She'd gone out with several of the local guys through the years, but they weren't to her liking. Dating was the last thing on her agenda right now, although seeing Jake again might move it up the list. She couldn't give in to her attraction. He had a baby, which meant he was already taken. I remember Mandy. Jake, I'm Daria, in case you didn't recognize me. Her heart thundered. I thought you looked familiar. He rested his arm on the open car door. Thought you wanted to be a nurse. Well, I thought you were going to play football. With the mature and brawny Jake standing in front of her, memories of all the fun they'd had as kids resurfaced. Was he still the easygoing guy she remembered? Didn't matter. She had to focus on proving herself an efficient, well-trained cop, especially after her supervisor's warning to get control of her anger issues. Thanks for listening to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hammerker. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. You can sign up to receive notifications of upcoming podcasts and listen to previous editions at sarahhammakerfiction.com.